Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. It's the Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. So many sports right now. NBA, College Hoops, March Madness, PGA Tour. App is safe, secure, easy to use. They've got exclusive offers, boosts, all that stuff this month on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid fast. So jump into the action. They have live betting. You can combine multiple bets, same game and a same game parlay. Try out same game parlay plus. Start making every moment more and download the FanDuel app today. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT indiana 1-800-522-4700 visit ksgamblinghelp.com kansas 1-877-770-STOP louisiana call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma underscore helpline.org slash problem gambling visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org maryland 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369-NEW-YORK 1-800-522-4700-WYOMING or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Hi, everybody. Special guest today, Jay Billis. We'll chop it up for about 30 minutes on the tournament. Um, I think it's a tournament that's been led by defense, uh, I don't think there's a ton of high offensive skill. The scores have been lower, but that's okay. Marquette, Michigan State, Tennessee, Duke, great defense by the Vols, great defense by Sparty. Ended up winning the basketball game, so I've really enjoyed it. I spent the entire weekend mostly watching uh, basketball games. Northwestern UCLA, again, defense reigned supreme. When you don't have a lot of great elite offensive players, coaching and defense rule the day, and that's what we've seen so far in the tournament. Uh, apparently, I didn't spend too much time on the phone, I created quite a kerfuffle with my uh, Michael Jordan opinion one day last week. And where I said, you know, there's a lot of mythology about Michael Jordan because a lot of people 35 and under who love him never watched him actually play. It's just YouTube highlights. Something to remember about Michael Jordan, and it's very unique in the history of basketball. No other player has this. And Michael is certainly as good as anybody I've ever seen. Relentless, uh, great in crisis, uh, laser-focused, super competitive, loved watching him play. I'm still a huge fan of Michael Jordan. But you can criticize Magic Johnson, who ended up in 30% more finals. And you can certainly criticize LeBron James, who has smashed every Michael Jordan record. But you can't criticize Michael. Why? Well, think about it in these terms. Think about how powerful just ads are on TV or radio. My career has been a series of reading ads or ads elevating all my platforms. They can sell us soda. They can sell us cars. They can sell us jewelry just by a 30-second ad. Now imagine how powerful an ad campaign devoted entirely to you can be. 
The Air Jordan campaign is the greatest marketing campaign in the history of our domestic sports ever. Any athlete. Nothing's close. Michael made $225 million last year still on his shoes. Just understand how powerful commercials are. And now, an Air Jordan campaign for 20 years devoted to one human. It's created a Teflon shield around Michael. So that when he punches Steve Kerr, well, you know, he's just very competitive. If Draymond Green punches Jordan Poole, a cocky trash-talking reserve, throw him out of the league. Draymond doesn't have the protective shield, the power of Nike. Michael Jordan, best friend Charles Barkley, 15 years. Barkley goes on the air, does his job, is critical. He ghosts him, no longer talks to him. Who does that? Protective shield. Baseball, wizard's mess, failing as an owner, struggling with teammates early pre-Phil Jackson. It's all protected. Nobody's saying, you can criticize LeBron, you can criticize Kareem, you can criticize anybody. Magic, Kobe, Duncan. You can't criticize Michael Jordan. That's why I call it mythology. It's as if he never missed a shot. He had lots of bad finals games. A couple against the Sonics. A couple against the Utah Jazz. He's human. Michael's always been great at elevating Michael. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. The two Phils. Phil Jackson. Michael, you're a selfish player. Do you want to win championships or be a scoring champ? Trust your teammates more. Phil Jackson, the smartest basketball coach of my entire lifetime, perhaps ever, probably ever. Michael understood that. That was the first Phil. The other Phil was Phil Knight, the number one visionary in American sports marketing in the history of my life. The two Phils. Now, give Jordan credit. He was glamorous. He was great. He was focused. He was capable of being coached if he respected you. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, people all over this country try to help people and they just won't listen. Michael listened and became probably the greatest basketball player ever when he started trusting teammates and winning championships. But just think of the power of the Air Jordan marketing brand. It has created a shield around Michael that any criticism, but Colin, he won at North Carolina. A lot of people have won championships at Carolina and Kansas and UConn and Duke. College basketball has always been lopsided. Six programs have most of the talent. Well, he won in the Olympics. Yes, that team was pretty loaded. He had help beating Tunisia. Nobody's discounting how great of a college player, how great of an Olympian, how great of a player, how great of a marketer. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of mythology as if he wasn't difficult early pre-Pippin. He's won exactly one playoff series pre-Pippin. Is that he didn't need coaching or that baseball wasn't a failure. I mean, I appreciate the effort or that the Wizards wasn't a disaster. Even as an owner, it was classic Michael. He made a fortune owning the Hornets. But he could control the narrative as a player. He couldn't as an owner. People take Things that happen to Michael, real things like he punched a teammate. That's a cheap shot. Well, Draymond punched the teammate. Is that a cheap shot? All of the issues are always, well, it was just very competitive. Draymond's not competitive. But Colin, Draymond works at the volume. The point being is, think of the power of the Air Jordan marketing campaign. 
probably the most brilliant campaign ever. And for the record, there's a reason it works. Michael's great looking. Michael's got glamour. Michael, the dress, the earring, the smile, the game, the panache. Michael had it all, right? He's an easy guy to market. But take a deep breath. You can criticize every basketball player ever, except Michael. He was human too. He had flaws too. With the NFL season over, all eyes in the sporting world turn to everything from the NBA to college hoops to the NHL. Plenty of games to watch, or even better, plenty of games to get out of the house and actually go to. That's why the best way to get your hands on tickets when you want to go to one of these games, check out Game Time, fastest growing ticket app in the U.S., Game Time. Offer amazing last-minute deals on tickets to your best favorite NBA, hockey, NCAA teams. Top of that, they sell last-minute concert and comedy show tickets, too. Download the Game Time app. Download it. Redeem code is Colin. 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the app. Enter the code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Well, we wish we had him on more often. He's a busy guy. I'm not sure. He's got a law degree. I'm not sure if he's practicing law, but it's college basketball. It's law. It's, I'm sure, a lot of public speaking. He is Jay Billis, probably the most erudite college basketball analyst of my lifetime. And uh, my only complaint about Jay Billis is I don't see enough of Jay Billis. So he comes on our podcast and we feel lucky today. First of all, how are you? How are things? Do you still practice? I'm still with my law firm. I've been with the same law firm for coming up on 30 years now, but I don't really practice anymore. I'm still uh, licensed to practice and I do my continuing legal education every year to keep my license up. But if you need a name change or a divorce or a ticket taken care of, I can handle that. Other than that, I don't I don't practice much. (laughs) Okay, I got about 12 parking tickets. I'll get back to you on that. Um, Jay, my, my, um, I think college basketball, if you take our domestic sports, college and pro, is the toughest sport to coach. I think it's really, really difficult when you ask coaches, um, you know, in college football, Nick Saban gets a kid for three or four years. John Calipari gets him for, you know, like a semester. I think it's really hard. That's why Jay Wright, uh, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, I, I could see guys saying, this is this is insane. Then you add the transfer portal. It's just this really difficult jambalaya, I think, to coach. Um, am I wrong on that? Or do you sense we're asking a lot now of college basketball coaches, and it's not realistic to think we're going to see some burnout with these top coaches? Well, maybe. I mean, I, I agree with you maybe on Jay Wright that uh, the job has changed and, and he is at the tail end. He could probably go another – you know, five or six years um, at, at great health and and youth. I mean, I, I think Roy Williams and and Coach K quit because they were older. Uh, if they were in their forties yeah. or fifties, I think they'd adjust to this in no time, and they wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah. You know, these guys make a ton of money now, so they can quit when they feel like it. 
if it, but you know, when I was younger, Colin, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I grew up in Los Angeles. And when John Wooden retired, I was probably in sixth grade and he was 65 years old. And I thought he was the oldest man that had ever lived. And now these guys, you know, Jim Bam's like 78 and coach K is 76 yeah. and Roy Williams is in his early seventies. And, you know, you got Jim Laranegas in his mid seventies and Leonard Hamilton, all these guys are coaching way later than, than ever. And you've got a lot of old school guys and that's okay. But one thing that's easier about college now is you can, you can get a good team overnight. Um, you know, you can yeah. lose a good team overnight too with the transfer portal, but, um, you know, yeah. the NCAA was the one that put that rule in and they put it in because they were fighting over money and the, the transfer restriction was making them look really bad. It was the equivalent of a non-compete provision yeah. and an employment contract. And they want to say, well, they're not employees. And right. then they were restricting them uh, on where they go to school and make them sit out uh, uh, like a like a non-compete. It, it was just kind of crazy. So I went back this morning knowing you were on and I went back and looked at some of your teams and I went back and looked at uh, I, I covered uh, two Duke uh, final fours uh, the Denver game where they lost to the Rebels and then the following year when they upset them Grant Hill was the freshman but one of the things I looked at was scores and if you're 20 years old um, on a college campus um, you're saying right now look at this defense and my takeaway is, well, the defense was good back in 88 and 90. The difference is you had the juniors and seniors who were going to play in the NBA on rosters. Is that it does feel like this has been a two or three year trend where it's becoming more of a defensive tournament. By the way, I've watched every game. I've loved it. I don't think it's quite as gifted offensively because the great offensive players often pivot to professional basketball. Uh, is that a, is it? Fe this feels like to me, Jay, this has been a defensive tournament. Like I watched Tennessee Duke and I thought, Tennessee's defense is just closing down on Duke. I, I saw Michigan State today. They shot 12% on threes and they won. So that it might take away in the tournament. It feels like a defensive tournament. Am I wrong? No, I you're right. Something? But but the reason, in my view, that that it feels different, like I think the players now are more skilled than they were 30 years ago. I don't even think it's close. Now, do we have the four-year superstars that we had back then? No, uh, because the true superstars leave early. But these guys are way more skilled um, than than back in the day. They can shoot it better. They can do everything. Uh, the game is way more physical now. I mean, it's ridiculous on cuts. Uh, that that Tennessee Duke game that you're referencing that was not a basketball game. That was a hockey game, and and it was officiated <laughs> like a hockey game. Um, there were there were fouls yeah. that were flagrant fouls that were not called flagrant. And I can't understand why. I've talked to several officials about it, and all of them seem to agree that 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 was a, that that should not have happened that way. But we're seeing that more and more that the game has become more physical. And and when I say physical, I'm not talking about physical on blockouts. Like when 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 I was playing back in the '80s, you know, the, people th thought about the Big East. Oh, the Big East is so physical, and right. it was less physical than this now. The difference is. They didn't have flagrant fouls back then. So when you fouled somebody, you put them in the wood and then a fight started. Now, if you do that, you get tossed out of the game. And now a, a foul that would have been a normal subway push back in the 80s is uh, is called a flagrant more often. Um, so yeah. we, we've cleaned a lot of that stuff up. But the, the general contact now on drives, on screening, um, on, on cuts is way more than it used to be. Those would have been fouls in a heartbeat 
uh, back in the 80s and 90s, and now they're they're called incidental contact. So I watched Duke more than any basketball team, college basketball team this year. I watched them about six times, but I did watch them all at home and then two games in the tournament. So my takeaway was, you know, I've seen more of them and I think they'll um, I- I'm going to go with them. It's very rare when a number one loses early, but to have three number ones lose early, is it coincidental? Is uh, Are the margins smaller between great teams and good teams? What do you make of all the number one seeds getting bounced? Well, we've had this year, um, there's not been as much separation from sort of great to very good. So the top yeah. seven or eight teams, uh, I think, remained in the top 10 throughout the year, not because they were that much better than everybody else. They were just more consistent. And whether it was Purdue or Arizona, you name it, they were more consistent at a high level. Uh, but we expected yeah. there to be kind of a turbulent ride through the tournament. I didn't I didn't anticipate uh, you know, Purdue losing to Fairleigh Dickinson. Um that 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 should <laughs> never have happened. And 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 not to take anything away from Fairleigh Dickinson, I was trying to explain like at one point, you know how in our job after a game, if you say, you know, wait a minute, like Purdue was horrible. That shouldn't have happened. They're going, give some credit to Fairleigh Dickinson. No, no Fairleigh, Dick- <laughs> Fairleigh Dickinson did everything they needed to do to win. All credit to them for winning the game. Yep. But let's not let's not gloss over that Purdue sucked. And and it's kind of like when, when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, we weren't saying, there's right. one of the great heavyweights of all time. He just beat one of the great he- – like, come on. Mike Tyson sucked, and it didn't make Buster Douglas great. And, and that, that right. was sort of the, the discussion, uh, of that. So we've had some, we've had some teams step in a big pile of it, uh, early on. Arizona did it with Princeton, but Princeton is, is pretty good. Like that was, that would, Princeton yeah. played really well and Arizona played really poorly. And so that was a combination of things, but Princeton dominated Missouri. They're, they're actually just as good as Missouri. You know, that if they played 10 times, it'd probably be five and five. Um, but I, we'll see what happens when they move on. But um, it's just not been one of those years where there's been uh, great, you know, great teams that have separated like Baylor and Gonzaga did a couple of years ago. Um, I'm going to mention a coach and you tell me his strength um, uh, and just what he does really at a high level. If I watch the entire um, I always feel like Michigan State's got just length and bigs and they did they had a couple huge blocks at the end of the game today that just felt like as big a defensive plays as the tournament had had. So if I said to you in a short paragraph, Tom Izzo's strength is. Uh, I would normally say first toughness, like his teams play tough. They're disciplined in a good way. Uh, and, and he's very astute offensively great after timeouts. He can get his team a shot whenever he wants. Um, defensively, they're usually really good. They've not been as good this year. They're, they're, they're solid, but they're not great. And their big guys are solid, not great. So they're not as, as powerful a rebounding team. But Tom Izzo is one of the, the best uh, game prep guys, best practice guys, and, and spends an enormous amount of time with his team off the floor. So he knows those guys inside and out. And, and he's not like, I, I get a little uh, tired of hearing people talk about mo- motivation. You know, like really good players don't need to be motivated. They need to be inspired. And Tom's an inspiring type right. coach. Now he can get on them. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll, 
He'll yeah. hit them to their core, but he builds them up too. And uh, and I th- I think he's one of the best that's ever done it in any sport. I think he could coach football tomorrow and be just as good of a coach. A guy that wasn't the first choice of his school, and I had my doubts, but I think he's just done a tremendous job. Mick Cronin at UCLA. Mick surprised me at UCLA, honestly. When he took the job, I was I was thinking, I don't know if he's going to like it there. And I don't know if like Bill, I don't know if Bill Walton's going to like him. Um, you know, like, like <laughs> after he hears him talk, you know, and, and, and all the, you know, the, he, he could throw an expletive in there uh, every once in a while in practice. And, and Bill would like, John wouldn't ever said that. You know? Um, but I, he, he's always been a great defensive coach and talk about tough. Like he, yeah. he gets guys to do things and at his size of him to go, you know, go at a big guy, you know, <laughs> and get him to get him to do things they don't want to do has always amazed me. But, um, the the thing that's been great is like how um, now that he has some what I would say better more skilled players, how varied his offense has has become. Where where it never appeared that way to me at Cincinnati, he's always had it in his bag, but he didn't he wasn't able to use it there because he didn't have those type of players. Right, and now he does, and uh, and. Yeah, I like teasing Mick. Like you probably get a kick out of this. So I, I've always teased Mick about his size. I'm a little bigger than him. I, I think right. you noticed. Yeah. And when he was at Cincinnati, uh, Raftery and McDonough and I were coming in, and I would always kill Mick at like rubber chicken dinners and all that over his size when right, I right. host something. And I'm walking into practice, and his trainer was giving him some aspirin, and he's got one of these tiny little cups to take the water to take the aspirin. And I walked in right. and he's got this tiny cup in his hands and he's like, Oh Jesus. Like, like, you know, cause I'm going to be able to kill him about it. You know, he's got to have the tiny cup. And, uh, I, I love that guy. I just think he's one of the best guys and, and truly one of the best coaches. Yeah. I, I didn't know how his recruiting would go. Cause I knew the kind of guys he recruited at Cincinnati. And I thought, I don't know if it's going to work here. Boy, they play hard. Man, don't they? I, I hard. Um, it always reminds me of Tim Gergerich and UNLV. Everybody thought they were flashy, and I covered them for six years. I've never seen a team practice like that. It, I mean, Mike Krzyzewski once told me at a Final Four in Denver, he goes, I've ne- we never played a team that plays that hard. It's just been insane. So I, I do want to go – I want to talk Calipari for a second. So, you know, obviously the Anthony Davis – championship year he's i think if he got a second people would back off a little there's a huge gap between one and two um but i also think john does care about the players mm-hmm. i've asked friends of mine in coaching mark few and other coaches and they're like listen john can coach i watched today kansas state had real players they got a couple all conference guys so let's not pretend that you know kentucky's players are here and kansas state down there they got wildcats have real good players is it fair though to say for the talent, um, sometimes they've underachieved. How do you how do you view Calipari's Kentucky run? Because it it was wobbly a bit this year. Well, Cal shocked me when he went to Kentucky. You know, I was still, and I've had periods of my life and career where I get stuck in old school thinking. And when he got to Kentucky and recruited that John Wall, uh, Eric Bledsoe, Demarcus Cousins group. Uh, and he was going to yep. go with all freshmen, sort of the one and done thing. Uh, I thought can't win that way. Like you, you might be able to win regular season games, not going not to win a championship that way. And I was so wrong. Like like it, that he championed that, and it was incredibly successful. Um, and I think he's an unbelievable coach. And I agree with you. I think he does care about the players uh, at the at, at the highest level. Um, 
now, you know, Cal can come off publicly like a, a used car salesman of times trying to explain stuff to people, yeah. but he's an unbelievably good guy. Like he's a really good person and a good guy. Um, I do think, and I've not talked to him about this and I should, if, especially if I'm going to say what I'm about to say, but I think he overestimated the transfer portal and where the game was headed. Like he was ahead on the, uh, yeah. the one and done thing. He was first. And then Coach K kind of followed him in that and realized, hey, we're yeah. playing against these guys and some of them want to come here. You might as well, like, we, should, we need to start taking them. And, you know, Cal went into the transfer portal last year and his teams aren't as talented. Um, they're, they're good, but they're not as talented as they've been. That team he had in 2015 that was 38-0 before they lost to Wisconsin, I really believe this. Wisconsin was the only team that could have beaten them that year. The only team because of the way they played and how old they were and the the type of team they had, but you know how do you how do you have a a, a program like that that's that's consistently you know great, and then if you have a down year, people are are losing their minds because it's not like the guys that are recruiting uh, the four year guys are outpacing uh, outpacing Cal. They're not. But the last two years, you know, they, they just haven't been Kentucky because I don't think they've been a, as talented. Like they, they brought in really good players that came from somewhere else, but they're not, they're not lottery picks like he's had. The tournament's heating up. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Okay, right now, download FanDuel. Use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, the promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. Just go to FanDuel.com, sign up today, claim your no-sweat first bet, then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. promo code Colin. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT Indiana 1-800-522-4700 visit ksgamblinghelp.com Kansas 1-877-770-STOP Louisiana call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma underscore helpline.org slash problem gambling visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org Maryland 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW YORK or text HOPE-NEW YORK 467-369 NEW YORK 1-800-522-4700 WYOMING or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. 
They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm a believer in NIL and I'm a believer in uh, transfer portal. Um, one of the things I, I did say in football, I said, I think I can be pro something and there has to be guardrails. I can be pro sports gambling, but think there need to be certain guardrails. Um, I said in football, I think you should, the first game starts and the last game ends. You can't transfer then. I, I don't want a Wolverine transferring to Ohio State before the game and taking like trade secrets. I, that was my thing. It's just just put some guardrails up. I'm good with all of it. But then again, we've had coaches, you know, leave, you know, before the season's over. Um, you've been a big proponent of NIL transfer portal. Take on my guardrail comment. Should we just have no guardrails? Are there anything? Is there anything about either basketball or college football transferring or NIL that you that does worry you? It doesn't worry me, but I think there there can and should be reasonable regulation to everything. And and your point, uh, uh, your example, and I know it was taken to the extreme to make a point of you know a player transferring you know before a bowl game to their arch rival. Um, yeah. We don't have to worry about that. That's not an issue. Um, right. That's not going to happen. And, you know, nobody's going to do that. Just like you wouldn't have an assistant coach take a job before a game. I mean, they're the ones that have more trade right. secrets than the uh, the players. And they move around like crazy, including to their arch rivals. So that's not an issue. Um, the biggest issue that the NCAA has with all of this is on the legal side. Um, it, you know, when they act in concert, uh, it's it's a cartel. And and they're running afoul of federal antitrust law and all this stuff that the NCAA is talking about, about, well, we can't make the players employees. Yes, you can. These schools employ thousands of, of students annually. Like a, uh, there's a school in my home, my home state that employs 6,000 of their own students a year. Of course, they can do it. They don't want to. And they want Congress to bail them out. Um, the, the problem right. we have now is, is because they, they wanted to, to just do the NIL thing, they can't, they, they can't control any of it. And if they just paid the players and made them employees, they'd be able to control it like they control their coaches, like they control their staff members, like they control their administra administrators. It's not that hard. And, uh, but we're making it really hard because they just don't want to do it. And we get all these excuses about, well, you start paying players, then goodbye to all these other sports. No, 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 none of that's true. They're not going to cancel all these sports. They, you know, they always ask, where's the money going to come from? They asked that when I was playing, where's the money going to come from? And then they sign these mega media deals. And the, you know, so much of the money that the athletic department that runs through there goes back to the school. They'll say, well, the scholarships are so expensive. Really? Well, where are you paying that money? They're paying it to the school. So they, they, they have an athletic department account and they pay it to the school. They're not out of nickel. That school's not out of nickel for a scholarship. And it, years ago, what the NCAA schools did was they, the, they basically said, all right, the athletic departments have to be self-sustaining. But I don't think they imagined that they were going to make this much money. So the schools are charging right. these crazy rates to to for food service and 
you know, rent and uh, maintenance and all this stuff. It's going back to the school. So they're taking a huge chunk of that and, and huge, huge salaries are being paid. Gigantic staffs are being put together. You know, you mentioned, Colin, when you were covering Duke, uh, Duke in 1991, I was a graduate assistant. I was on a staff then. I was an assistant coach, a grad assistant. When we went on a road trip, we flew commercial and took one bus to uh, when we got there. So it was one bus. They have to have two now uh, to carry all the staff. You know, so the staff and the players are now two of these gigantic coach buses that you take in Europe, you know, and these things, these athletic departments are bigger than the Pentagon now. They got plenty of money, and uh, and it's not a it, it's not a concern paying the players. They just don't want to, and we're going to do it at some point, whether it's five years, three years, whatever. They're going to decide it is cleaner and easier to sign these players to contracts. They'll retain them better, and then they'll have they'll have control over what what nil deals they can have. Then, if they're paying them, just like our companies pay us. They can tell us what we can and can't do. They buy that right through the employment contract. It's really a simple, it works for the rest of the free world. The idea that it won't work for college athletes is kind of absurd. So Mike Krzyzewski, um, maybe it's because I covered him. I've, I've said this the other day on my show. I said Duke is the greatest um, team sport success story of my sportscasting career in 40 years they've had one losing season and that was the back surgery season where coach k couldn't walk they went nine and three and they just literally couldn't walk there's nothing else like it that's double the patriots dynasty which in itself is absurd considering it's a regulated violence players get hurt makes no sense at all to have a football dynasty for 20 years but um I read the Ian O'Connor book. I love, I think Ian's just stupendous. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, I read it and uh, the criticisms of Mike, and I, and I have a lot of respect for Ian. He's not out there to just throw out haymakers. Uh, I found them almost likable um, that, um, you know, Mike is a fighter. Um, you know, the army background, his size personally. Um, it made me dislike Bob Knight more and like <laughs> Mike Krzyzewski more just because the battle um, and he wanted to carve his own way and he didn't want to be seen in the shadow of Bobby after a while, which is I completely understand that. Um, when you hear and there have been critics of Mike's offense wasn't very creative or uh, he coached the Olympic team. I, I it just none of it lands for me. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm not. Maybe I have a, a confirmation bias that I just I've always liked him. Was there ever a criticism of Coach K and you went, eh, that's on target. Yeah, that's a fair because I when I read books and articles, I'm always like, it just doesn't land to me. I think he's authentic. I think he's a fighter. I think he's tough. I think he's super smart. As you noted earlier in the one and done, he's flexible. He acknowledges when he's wrong. Was there ever any criticism you heard of him and thought, eh, that, maybe that's fair? I'm sure there has been. I can't think of an example um, because he he's. Like, I love him. You know, I've known him since I was 17 years old. There's probably, I don't think this is an overstatement. I, I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing now if it weren't for him. I might be doing something like it, but I wouldn't have gone to law school if not for him. I wouldn't have, I, I don't think I would have been in broadcasting if not for him. Um, I certainly wouldn't have had the basketball life I've had if not for him. Um, you know, he, he, he made it possible for me to, to go to law school. He, he offered me a spot on his staff and then he, he was very helpful in getting me into law school and convincing the law school that I could, I could work as a coach and go to school at the same time. 
Um, nobody wanted that to happen at Duke and he made it happen. And, and he, he told me at the time, he goes, if this doesn't work out, you can always quit. And I didn't know whether he meant quit law school or quit coaching, but <laughs> I still never asked him that. But when I was coming out of high school, um, you know, I was one of these players where, you know, when you, you know, when you're in high school, you become a good player, you know, local paper, or the LA times or something does a story on you. And they ask you, what do you want to do after basketball? And I didn't have an answer. I didn't know. And so at that time, like Frank Gifford was in broadcasting and Don Drysdale was in broadcasting. So I, I said, well, maybe broadcasting. And all the coaches that were recruiting me read that. And Coach K did something about it. Like others would introduce you to somebody at the school that was in the communications department, give you a tour of it. Coach K introduced me to Chuck Howard, who was a big time producer at ABC Sports. And and I got a job working for ABC Sports as a production assistant during the summertime. I was a wow. I was a, a runner basically. So I did the I did the uh, I did the Olympics in '84 in LA. Uh, I did Monday Night Baseball. Um, I did uh, I used to do bowling. I did bowling events with Chris Schenkel and Nelson Burton Jr. And um, I got I got all this. <laughs> it was awesome. I got all this. I met all these people, some of whom I still work with today, and that got me. That got me in the door and and he he was very thoughtful about okay this is what you want to do here's how we'll make it happen and he wasn't like some svengali doing it he was trying to help you and and he thought hey maybe i wanted to get into coaching offer me a spot on his staff or and, and but but he knew i wanted to go to law school so he he greased the skids for that to happen and uh you know without him doing that i don't i don't know what i where i would have been i don't think i would have been selling pencils on the street somewhere i think i would have been okay but but my life would have looked a lot different if i hadn't said you know i want to play for you and when i when i did when i committed to him out of high school he was the least well-known and least accomplished coach that was recruiting me i had no idea who he was when he called me the first time no clue never heard of him and i just really liked him and and throughout the four years i played and after that um he's not like he is not perfect he makes mistakes like everybody else um and he's ultra competitive but off the like one thing he never did he may he may jump you in practice and you feel like you're the worst player it's ever played he does not carry it off the floor as soon as practice is over he may still be pissed off for a while but as soon as practice is over he's he's he likes you again like he, he's good um now back on the floor you better do what you're supposed to do the next day or he'll right. he'll, he'll jump you again but he never like a lot of guys carry it off the floor and he doesn't do that you know um i'm in my late 50s and you're probably in your 50s late, i would late imagine 50s, yeah i'm 59. It's always hard to guess. Um, Harold Miner, Pearl Washington, um, iconic and devastating college players, doesn't work in pro basketball. Um, Christian Leitner was better than people think. Keith Van Horn, both were actually pretty good scorers in the NBA. Uh, whenever I hear the bus label, I cringe because they were both actually could score. Um, go back to all the years you have done this. Um, name a player who either surprised you how good he was in the nba you watched him in college you thought he would and then you watched him as a pro and you went instead of finding a guy that didn't do it let's find a guy that jay billis thinks how in the i thought by the way i thought juan dixon was going to carve the league up <laughs> and he was a tweener i was totally wrong um give me a college guy that shocked you with his production in the nba shocked me 
Um, when Dwight Howard came out of high school, I thought he was unskilled and didn't know how to play. And so I was thinking, how, how's this going to work? You know, there are certain things he can't do and, and all that. You know, he doesn't guard this. He doesn't do this. And, and I had friends of mine in the NBA say, doesn't matter. Like his athleticism trumps all that. Like they don't make him like that very often. <laughs> and and I, I I was still stuck in that's when I was saying before about getting stuck in old school thinking. I was still stuck in, you know, this high school kid, he can't do these things. He's not ready yet. And not thinking long term, like he's gonna be ready in a couple of years. Like this is not that big of a deal. And he'll learn how to do some of these things. And then, you know, he was a, a you know all time great Hall of Famer, um, and that that took me a while to wrap my head around, and I, I got over it pretty quickly. So to, to now that doesn't even bother me, you know, like like some young kid that that you think, hey man, you should stick around. They, they shouldn't stick around if they're if they're that talented. If they want to go, like I, I think every young person should be in college. I think that's the best place for a young adult to be, but. You know these geniuses in in all these different fields whether it's uh you're a genius in coding or uh you know business or whatever or you're a, a genius musician you know you can leave college and go back and it's the same for an athlete they've got a finite amount of time and and they should go yeah there, there's a there's a i remember looking at video of dame lillard and i told uh tom penn who was the gm of portland i'm like he's got kind of a quirky shot I don't know. And then I, and then obviously wrong. And then Kevin Durant, I remember telling somebody, God, he weighs 180. Who's he going to defend? And he's like, yeah, he's going to be fine. He's going to score 30 points a night. Well, this has been fun. Um, before we do this, we're going to watch the TCU Gonzaga game, which starts about 10 minutes from right now. Uh, Mark Few is one of my favorite people. You know, I went to college um, at Eastern Washington University and watched John Stockton score 42 against Eastern Washington. Um, you know, we talked about coaches. We'll end with this. If I say Mark Few, what sticks for you? What's his strength? His strength is he's a, a savant uh, offensively. And, and he is a true believer. Like, you know, I, I've been friends with him for a long time. He's one of the people not only I respect, but absolutely love. And I mean that truly. I, I have been one of those that maybe 10 years ago or so said, you ought to think about this other job. You know, job would come open. They'd want Fuey and say, you, you ought to take that. You can win a, you can win a championship there. And you go, I can win one here. I think he was the only one that really believed that. Maybe some people yeah. on his staff, but he was the only one that really believed that Gonzaga could do this. So when you were saying before about Duke, you know, and the Patriots, the greatest thing you've covered, uh, I was thinking you might want to throw Gonzaga in there because you know Few has gotten a ton of guys fired over the years because all these presidents think that that their coach they hire this guy, their coach can make them into Gonzaga, and they can't. Like what he's done there is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like this year they went into the tournament as a number 12 in the country in a three yeah. seat and people are disappointed. People are disappointed. <laughs> and you go, they're in the West coast conference. They almost closed that. You, you know, this better, you know, having gone to school right there, they almost closed the doors on that school in the mid nineties and, and the basketball program saved the school. If they didn't go to the, the Elite Eight in 99, there's a good chance that, that Gonzaga might not have survived. 
And now it's one of the hottest schools in the West. And, uh, and that program is internationally known. And everybody, now they're getting bagged on because, well, they haven't won it yet. They haven't won it yet. You know, they've been to the tournament 20 some straight years and all, you know, they've been to the championship game twice. They've been to elite eights and seven straight sweet 16. So the only team in the country that's done that. And if they do it today, it'll be eight straight. Nobody's done that uh, now. And they go, wow, they can't win in the tournament. Like, oh, oh, so they're West Coast Conference and you want to bag on that. But then they get to the tournament and they do something that no other program's done. Like, how, how does that work? How did they pull that trick? Um, he's one of the, like, he's really, he's unbelievable how, how he is with the players. Like, in practice, you know, he's, he's hard-nosed and uh, he, he's tough. But at the same time, like he's got a sense of humor with him and he strikes the right balance. Like he wants those guys to fall out and they're not going to run some cute little mid-major offense. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to run what beats the big shots. And, and cause they are one of the big shots. Like they're, they're as big shot as any program. They get, you know, they get players now that anybody would love. Um, they're, they're not just like, okay, we got to get a few guards and make a bunch of threes and see if we can, you know, throw a rock at Goliath. They are Goliath now. And, uh, it's, it's, I think it's one of the great stories in sports history, frankly, yeah. uh, in this yeah, country. I was anyway. on his deck. He's got a beautiful home in Spokane overlooking the Valley and uh, name drop. And we were having a beer, um, and there was a caribou up by his pool. You know, it's unbelievable. And we were talking about, you know, and he said, first of all, he goes, we have two great boosters. I can always fly private. He goes, a lot of these big jobs can't. And he said, you know, the second thing is I can recruit a three-star kid and nobody's crushing me over it. And he goes, some of these kids, they're just, they're just raw. They just need love. And he said, I love those players. They define our program. He goes, you bring a three-star guy into a Kentucky or a Carolina, your boosters are all over you. And he's like, he's like, I found, you know, I found Oregon's come after him. UCLA's come after him. He's like, he's like, I found my home. And it's, he's impossible when you meet him. To not root for. I, I find one of those seminal people in my job impossible not to root for if you ever meet Mark Few. I just love him. Yeah, he's just like the nicest guy. And and he, like you can sit out on his deck. He'll never talk about basketball. He'll talk about other stuff. And he's got other interests. He goes fishing and all this. Uh, all this. He's got a balanced life. His wife, Marcy's great. He's got a great family. Um, he and his assistants are all like great friends. Now they're former players because he's getting up there. He's getting up there in our stratus age wise. He's older than me, but, but he, he's just a, he's just a normal good dude. That's got extraordinary ability. And, uh, uh, like he's one of the real good guys in the game. Well, you're a busy guy. Let's go watch that game. Um, you have so many responsibilities and family and, and job. And I just appreciate you taking 30 minutes for us. I really genuinely appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. And I have two families. I can, I can hang with either one of them. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. All right, brother. The Volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network.
Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.